Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. I'm glad we're here. It's going to be a good day. We have been in this series called Living on a Prayer. And so you walked with us as we talked about the prayer of the Shema and what it looked like to love God with all of our heart and our mind and our body and our soul and strength. And now we're kind of heading into a part two and looking at these specific prayers that we can pray, prayers of different forms. Last week, uh, Pastor Leonard talked with us about prayer and fasting. And this week, we get to talk about prayers of healing. And what I think is so beautiful and important about this series is just the fact that it is centered around prayer. And really, prayer, as we've been learning, is about Jesus. It's about connecting with Jesus. It's about pursuing his presence. It's about putting him first. And I think if we as a church community can come together and prioritize prayer before we do anything else, I think really incredible things can happen. I think that prayer and the pursuit of the presence of Jesus is something that should center us as a community and that as we are centered around those priorities, the Lord is able to shape and form us towards what it is that he is doing. And after all, that is what we want to be about. We want to be about the story that God is writing and what it is he is doing, the story that's bigger and better than any of us or than we could have hoped or imagined. And I just believe as we prioritize prayer together before our own agendas, before our own preferences, before our own way, that we will become people who follow Jesus truly and a community who follows Jesus towards healing and freedom. And I think there's something for each of us in there this morning. So today we are talking about healing prayer. When I used to be a social worker, I used to sometimes talk with kids and teenagers. We'd have really hard conversations, talk about some hard things. And I'd always say, we can do this. You and I, we've got this. I have had all kinds of conversations like these. I have heard all kinds of things. Nothing you say is going to shock me or nothing you say is going to make me think different about you. We got this. We can do this together. This is a safe place to have a hard conversation. And I think sometimes in church, we have some similar conversations, ones that are vulnerable, ones that are kind of hard, ones that are like, oh, I don't know if I'm totally comfortable with that, but we got this. We want to create a space for us just to consider, to be aware, to consider, to explore, Jesus, what is it that you have to say to us today? And so I don't know where you are in your journey of following Jesus with prayer, specifically in your journey with healing prayer. But I would just love to talk with you this morning and just talk a little bit more about my journey with prayer, my approach to prayer, what has informed that, what has really changed that experience for me. Because when we look in scripture, we see that Jesus and his disciples and the early church, they prayed. They prayed prayers of healing. They prayed prayers of fasting. They were actively engaged in these kinds of prayers. And so when we look at the New Testament, we look at the early church, we see prayers of healing. And so I want to normalize healing prayers a little bit for us this morning because we see that very active in the New Testament. And I'd love to just invite you to consider what it might look like, how Jesus did it, what it could look like for us, what it might look like in your journey. And I think this approach to prayer will move us towards more wholeness as a community so we can be people who experience wholeness and we can be a community that helps other people experience that through Jesus. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump into scripture and dive in. Sound good? Are you with me already this morning? We're together? All right, good. All right, Jesus, we are so grateful that you are here with us, that 
in your great capacity, you just have this ability to speak to each one of us right where we are, wherever we are. So we pray for the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. We pray, God, that you would move among your people at a pace that is right and with your presence that holds so much power. Jesus, we ask that it would be your will and your way, that you would use my words and my heart this morning, that you would multiply whatever um, the word is that you want to say, and ultimately you would speak to your people. We are here, we are waiting, and we are ready. May it be your voice that we hear. In your name we pray, amen. So we're going to jump into uh, the book of James, James 5, verse 14 through 15. It says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So we see, like I mentioned before, we see this idea of prayers of healing happening in the New Testament. So why did it happen in the time of Jesus? Why was it something so normal for the ministry of Jesus? But it's not maybe something as normal for many of us right now. So I want to talk more about today what Jesus says about prayer, what he said and what he did. Because that is really, for me, what changed the game. I have not grown up in a church or in a church experience um, or in a tradition that was familiar with prayers of healing or with prophecy or praying through the Spirit. That wasn't something that was normal for me. I wasn't not a part of a culture um, where that was a normal thing that was happening. But when I worked at a church back in Michigan, um, there was just this... It was not a, um, a charismatic community, as some would say, but there was this desire to uh, have a prayer culture that was, um, in the beginning, informed, and, and one that helped give people the tools that they needed to pray the way that Jesus did. And so um, something for me that really helped kind of inform my approach to prayer is we had this pastor come in, actually from the Chicago area, I think from the Evanston area, Pastor Steve Nicholson, just a regular guy. His whole thing was like, just don't be weird, right? Like, let's just talk about it and be normal, but we don't need to be weird about it. Like, we need, we need to make the, there's normalcy to the supernatural. He, it was great. He was just this everyday guy. And he really informed my approach to healing prayer based on who Jesus was and what he did and what he said. And it, it like, something clicked for me. Like, I, I understood looking at it from the perspective of Jesus. And everything that Steve Nicholson talked about at his workshops or that I have in my notes, well, that comes from a pastor and theologian author named John Wimber from the Vineyard tradition, one that you may know about. And he has wrote many books on healing prayer and the power of prayer that you could read and look at more if you'd like to kind of dig into this a little bit more. But that this approach to healing prayer, the way I want to break it down to is influenced based off of my being influenced from Steve Nicholson and from the Vineyard tradition. So that's what I kind of want to cover with you today. But I want to talk a little bit more about why do we pray this way? Why do we pray prayers of healing? And why doesn't it always go our way? Because I think if we talk about it, we've got to really be honest with, with what that looks like for us. Why do we pray these prayers? And why doesn't it go this way? And as is often true for followers of Jesus, the answer to those questions requires us to hold two truths, two truths, hold them in tension. The first one being, why do we pray prayers this way? 
Because when Jesus came, the kingdom came. And so I want to talk a little bit more about what that means. The kingdom of heaven is made up of wholeness and rightness. It is as things should be, the way they were meant to be, the way they were created to be, of, full of beauty and creativity and life. The kingdom reflects the kingdom of heaven, and that reflects the heart of God. And so when Jesus came to earth, he brought evidence of the new kingdom with him. When we see the life of Jesus, we, what did he do? He healed people. He freed people. He broke societal rules of injustice. He elevated the overlooked. He gave power to the marginalized. He saw the unseen. He sat at the wrong tables. Jesus did something that whenever he was saying things or doing things, people would say, well, that isn't the way it's supposed to be. That isn't how things work in this world. That doesn't make sense in this society. He's not following the rules. What Jesus was doing was he was bringing evidence of the new kingdom to earth. That when he came to earth, he was bringing light. He was bringing justice. He was bringing beauty. He was bringing reconciliation. He was bringing healing. And, and this told us the people and tells us something is happening here. Something is changing. The new kingdom story is intersecting with earth and we are seeing evidence of things as they should be. This is the new kingdom. What we learn through Jesus is the kingdom story is not over. It started with Jesus and it is still playing out today. Matthew 9:35 says Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. So when Jesus came, the kingdom came. And we know that because Jesus proclaimed the new kingdom through his teaching, and he demonstrated the new kingdom through his healing and freedom. He proclaimed the good news, and he demonstrated the good news. Healing prayer demonstrates the good news of the kingdom. It demonstrates there are bits of heaven invading this earth. It demonstrates that there is a force, there is a God who has come to make things fully right. Repairing broken systems and in society, bringing wholeness, bringing healing, reconciliation. He demonstrated with his um, ability, what he was saying with his words. He preached and he demonstrated, and all of that proclaimed the kingdom. This is the kingdom. This is heaven. This is things as it should be. The story is not over. There is goodness to come. There is beauty to come. This is what Jesus did. And in Matthew 10, verse 1, and then in verses 7 and 8, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, to heal every disease and sickness. He said, as you go, proclaim the message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received and freely give. Somebody in here is like, well, I'm glad I didn't pick the week about the driving out demons prayer. At least that's not what I picked, right? 
I know these things can sometimes not feel normal and sometimes feel a little bit weird or uncomfortable based on what your experience is. But I want to try to give us these examples of just it literally and legit happening. Like, this is what Jesus did. This is what his disciples did. How do we reconcile that as followers of Jesus? Because in Matthew 10, we see that Jesus is not just giving the authority to heal and free in himself. He's giving that authority to his disciples. And he's saying, now you go and you do what I do. And then again, this is post-resurrection and Matthew 28, a verse that we as Jesus followers all know well. Verse 18, it says, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Go, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. First, Jesus gave authority to his disciples, and it was within a very um, conditional realm of people because the ministry of Jesus was not fully realized. And then Matthew 28, post-resurrection, Jesus gives authority to all people and all disciples to go and do the things that he did. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? It means to do what he did. What did Jesus do? He proclaimed and he demonstrated evidence of the new kingdom. And that was good news. You see, Jesus gave his authority and power to his disciples and to us. He says, you want to follow me? You do what I do. And I'm going to give you all the power, all the authority, the very power that resides in me, I now give to you to do what I do. Because the good news of Jesus is not just about our individual freedom and forgiveness. The good news of Jesus means that whatever it is I have freely been given, I also get to help people receive. The beauty of the good news is not just my individual salvation. It is that there is a better story coming for the world. It is that there is a kingdom story coming for all people, that where there is darkness, there will be light, that where there is injustice, there will be freedom, that where there is oppression, there will be a voice, that where there is margin, there will be lifted up. It is the good news of the kingdom that something is coming for us, and it's better than what we could have hoped or imagined. It's more than we could have ever accomplished on our own. And as we pray prayers of healing, we remember the new kingdom is on its way. We remember, we remember there's more. We remember this isn't all there is. It's going to require us a little bit this morning to kind of jump out of just what we see in front of us today or what we experience on our own into another world, the spiritual world and the world of eternity. But there is more And wherever it is we look and we see oppression and injustice and we see darkness and evil, we have a God who's saying, I sent my son Jesus. He died and was resurrected. He, there is so much power and healing and freedom in that resurrection and that power and authority has been given to you and now you go and do and you begin to peel back the layers of darkness in this world until the new heaven and the new earth fully come and are fully realized. Prayers of healing reminds us there is a new story on the way. This is not all there is. We are not in it alone. It is not up to us to solve it and do it and change it and make it happen and make it right. There is a God who is coming to deliver freedom and rescue, and we can experience parts of it right in here and right now. 
what it means to follow Jesus is to participate in the good news. Participate in the good news coming to earth. And wherever you see healing, freedom, wherever you see the evidence of Jesus, things as they should not be, wherever you see the oppressed released, the marginalized elevated, wherever you see the bound freed, that is evidence of the truth of Jesus and the new kingdom. You see the new kingdom active. It is alive. It is an ongoing story. It did not stop with Jesus. It started with him. It started with him. And we have the ability to participate in the good news of the new kingdom. So that's the first truth. Why do we pray healing prayers? Because healing prayers are part of demonstrating the good news of the kingdom. And just like Jesus did, he has imparted his authority to us. And he says, you go and do what I did. As you freely receive, freely give. So that's the first truth. The second truth, and why doesn't it always go our way, is because the kingdom is now, but not yet. And that is a phrase that, that is very common in, in the vineyard tradition and in, in the Wimber. Um, the, the kingdom is now, but not yet. So again, it's going to, like, it's a little uncomfortable to talk about, but this is part of operating in the physical world and the spiritual world. So the scriptures tell us that healing is a manifestation of the coming of the kingdom. The, so the, Jesus brought evidence of the new kingdom here, but it's not all here. We see signs of the new kingdom coming, but it is not fully realized until Jesus comes again and the new heaven invades earth and we all experience things under the full way of God as they should be, as he made them to be, as he created them to go, a full rightness and righteousness. And so we experience pieces of that, but we aren't living in that full reality. So we pray towards healing because we have an expectation of what God wants to do and will do, but we don't own the results. We don't own the outcome. Because we are still living in that in-between where the new kingdom isn't fully here and God's way isn't totally realized. So if it helps to talk about it in these kinds of terms, we may win some of the battles, but the war is still on between the forces of sin and evil and darkness and the spiritual world. So we live in this in-between. We live in this, we know the good news, we have the authority of the good news, but the way of God is not fully realized, is not fully manifested on this earth. And so we pray to participate, but we don't always own the outcome. We don't own the results. We don't fully know what's going on. We, when we look in the scriptures, we see that Jesus healed and freed, and he raised people from the dead, but there was also still death. There was also still sickness. There were still countless people who were not in those stories who were still experiencing brokenness and darkness through disease and sickness. This is also part of what it means to follow Jesus. To know that we are in a time of conflict, it doesn't always go the way that we think it's going to go. Our hope cannot be in the transaction of healing it has to be in the promise of wholeness in Jesus. Our hope cannot be in just the healing and just the circumstance changing, although that can be evidence of the kingdom. 
It has to be in the wholeness of Jesus. Again, it's not just about our individual freedom. It's about the greater story that's playing out. So we know that prayers of healing, we pray those prayers because when Jesus came, the new kingdom came, but it doesn't always go the way we expect or we don't always own the outcome because the kingdom is here, but it's not fully here. It's here, but it's not yet. We are all still, as people who follow Jesus, anticipating a time when he will come again and the new heaven will invade the earth and the will and the way of God will be restored. When all will be right and beautiful and just as it was created to be, but we don't experience that right now. Fully. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us as people following Jesus? You know, as I think about these kinds of uh, sermons or this teach, I mean, I think about the knowledge and the content, but I also think about so many of you. So many of you who I know and I know your stories and so many of you who I don't know and don't know your stories and many of you who I may know parts of your stories, but there are other pieces that you haven't even fully shared. And I think about specifically with this topic of healing and healing prayer and just the vulnerability and the tenderness of, of what it means to pray towards healing and, and not have it answered the way you, you want it to be answered, of what it means to be waiting for something and for it not to change, of what it means to be sitting in a place of thinking, I, I don't know how to do this. I, I, I don't know how to not want it to go my way. This seems really scary. It seems like I can't control it. I'm, I'm sitting here in this place, and honestly, I, I'm dealing with disappointment and devastation from prayers that have gone unanswered, and the good news of the kingdom can sometimes just feel like false hope. And I recognize that wounds and healing and wholeness are all connected. And when we talk about physical sickness or disease or injury or wounds, it is often very connected to our spiritual and emotional being. When we think about prayers of healing, we aren't just talking about physical prayers. It can be emotional healing or relational healing. But there, there is this element of a physical wound or disease or sickness that is then very connected to how we see ourselves, to how worthy we feel of being loved or seen, to who we feel like we are or we are not. And there is a deep connection in those places. We maybe, and I think the enemy uses this tension of living in the already but the not yet to begin to confuse us and to begin to get us to believe lies, like things aren't going our way because of us, or our prayers aren't being answered because we did something wrong, or we're not good enough, or right enough, or perfect enough. And I know that there can be circumstances and hang-ups that can begin to cloud our view of the truth and the voice of God. That although it may be a physical injury, it is creating a narrative inside of ourselves that is then disconnecting us from the truth of who God is and who he wants to be in our lives and what he wants us to do, and we get stuck. And so prayers of physical healing aren't just about that one thing. It is about the wholeness of the person. And circumstances and hang-ups can cloud our view. It could be fear or unforgiveness. It could be guilt that creeps up and tells us we're not worthy of receiving. It could be so many things that cloud our view of God and what it is that he wants to do and kind of flip the narrative around on us. 
I remember when I was in middle school, <clears throat> we moved from Indiana to Michigan. They called it like Michiana, where we ended up in between Michigan and Indiana. And it was a very rural area. It, the move was like a really big deal for my family, for me. I was the oldest kid. It was a big transition. And I had a hard time making friends. And so it was the first time that I got to invite some friends over to our house. We, again, lived out in the woods. There was, like, a creek behind our house. There was, really, really not much to do. But I'm in seventh grade, and so my friends are over. And we were hanging out outside, and it was good. Like, I was finally feeling like I was making some friends, and things were kind of normal. We were outside in the woods, and there was a creek, and everybody crossed the creek. There was a log that went over the creek, and you just walked over the log. It was very easy, very simple for everyone else, except me, who did not have the hand-eye coordination to do most things, including crossing the log. So everybody crossed over. Bria, 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 it's fine. Come on, just Bria, do it. Like, put your foot in. Like, cross over the, cross over the log. You're going to be fine. It's okay. So I listen, and I put one foot on the log, and it turns, and then it, like, dips, and then it breaks, and there is, like, a sludgy clay mud bank underneath, and I just land right in the mud. I mean, covered, like, caked, and I'm in seventh grade. Okay, and this is like a very big deal. And I don't know how to deal with the circumstances that just happened. All my friends are there and I fell in the mud and I'm new in town and this is not working. And so I just run. Now my ankle, well, my foot is like injured. I mean, it was like twisted and bruised, but I just ran. And I ran until I saw the clearing of my yard. And my dad was outside in the yard. And my dad, um, one thing we always knew about him is that he loved his kids. He was imperfect. He, and I've talked about this before, he deals with um, addiction. He's currently in recovery, but he, he just dealt with addiction. And he dealt with wounds from his childhood all through our growing up times, and that made him not always present in the way we needed him to be. But we knew that he loved us, and he was proud of us. And my dad, was, he was having a good day. He was outside, and he was outside power washing the pool furniture, the white Rubbermaid pool furniture we had around our pool. And he, it's sunny and warm, and he's power washing the pool furniture, and I'm in middle school, and my friends are over, and I run out to the clearing, and I'm like, Dad, Dad, I fell in the mud. I'm like, I'm so, like, I'm so dirty. Like, what am I going to do? And I'm just freaking out and, like, just have, you know, I'm a just dramatic middle school moment. And my dad looks at me, and he looks at the pool furniture, and he just takes that power washer and power washes me right down. Just, so there is mud flying off of me, and my friends are coming out of the woods, and somehow this story is getting worse and worse, and he's just like trying to help. He doesn't understand what's wrong, and I am being power washed in the front lawn by my dad with the pool furniture on my first, like, I don't know what to call it, social outing of my middle school life in a new town, right? And as much as he tried, it just wasn't exactly the response that I need, that I needed. But to him, it made total sense. He was just getting the job done. My girl asked for help. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to show up, right? And now I tell that story because it's funny and we all need a little lightness in, in the middle of this teach. But I think there's something very real about the way we view God based on the way our dads or parents responded to us. And it's something we can't quite get around. It's just a human truth that often the way we view God as a father or God as a parent, however it is you want to say, that is often influenced by the way we were responded to or treated by our father and our parent. 
And while my dad power washing me is like funny and imperfect, it's still him being a dad. And there are those of us in the room who didn't get to experience their dad being a dad or who were hurt by their dad or abandoned or betrayed by their parents, maybe even abused. And so thinking about God as somebody who is good and faithful and wants to bring healing is really difficult in that situation because of how we view God, because of how our earthly parent responded to us, taught us what it means when you ask for help, when you step out in expectation of something. It, it taught us something in our brains and in the way that we relate to ourselves and the world, and of course, the way that we relate to God. And so that is just going to be a journey for each of us. It's something to be aware of, but it's something to recognize that our healing and our approach to healing and our approach to God can't be separated from the wholeness of who we are, of our experience, and of the wounds that we carry. We all carry wounds. We all carry experiences that we can't change. We all carry things that went away we didn't want it to go, and that will directly influence how we view prayers of healing. There is an ache in all of us. There is an ache for freedom. There is an ache for healing. There is an ache for rightness and for wholeness. And it was put in us as humans because we were created to reflect the very image of God. And when things don't go our way or we can't control the outcome or the circumstances, I think sometimes because of our experiences or because of our lack, we put that on God. We say, he didn't come through for me. He doesn't care about me. I'm not worth it, and I don't have value, and I don't matter very much, or he chose to withhold for me, or he did that to punish me. And when I think about the story of God the story of how he sent his son, the story of the new kingdom coming to earth, what I see is, although sometimes it's hard for me to believe myself, what I know is that there is a God who is doing everything he can to peel back the layers of evil and sin and brokenness and darkness to get to you. And when you experience his healing and his freedom, it isn't because he just chose you that one day. It's because he was able to break through of the thing that got in the way. He is, he is coming for you. His goodness is waiting to overtake you. His faithfulness, his plans and purpose for you are good. He loves you. He made you. He rejoices in who you are. And anytime we experience healing, it's not because he just chose to do it that one day or waved his magic wand. It's because that was the time he was able to break through whatever it is that was blocking him from you. I think sometimes we say, God, I don't know if I can ask you for this or I don't know if you're going to withhold this from me. And he says, I, I did it. The invitation is there. I'm waiting for you to say yes. I'm waiting for you to accept it. God is not standing back with some magic wand, you know, wanting to, uh, to realize the dreams and the freedom and the healing for some people and not others. He, the invitation is there for all of us. And whenever we experience his healing, it's because he is pursuing us. He is coming after us. He is moving towards us, not away from us. 
He is coming for us with his goodness and his healing and his freedom. And when there are things that are in the way, those are blocks that are created by our experiences and our wounds or our trauma or our disappointment or our devastation. And the enemy used those, uses those lies to then define who God is. And God is saying, I'm trying to get through all that stuff to get to you. While you're believing I don't want you, I am moving on your behalf. I am searching the earth for a heart that is turned towards me. I sent my son so that you would have access to healing and freedom. Everything God does is to pursue us for healing. When we say yes to it, there's nothing that can get in the way. But it is a healing on God's, in in the eternal mindset, not in the limitations of what we experience in this life. You see, God uses healing prayer to tend to our wounds and to remind us of who he is. Our healing is linked to our hearts. We cannot separate healing and wholeness. And we pray that way. We pray to receive God. And we pray for the compassion of God to be realized in us. I think sometimes the Western church just doesn't really have the language for prayers of healing because we are immature in our dependence of God. We just don't have the, like, healing happens. Miracles are happening. We, in Western America, in the most powerful and influential and wealthy country, we, as people in different positions of power and status in this room, we don't have the words, the language for healing prayer because we don't have the maturity of dependence because we don't need to depend on God. We are too busy taking care of it ourselves. And it's working, but not really. And so I think when we talk about being people who experience healing, that means that we become healing communities. And we don't experience healing communities in Western church sometimes because we aren't dependent on the spirit. We are just following the models and the strategies and the business and the way that things should go that they've always gone. And it's working, but only kind of. I think we're here because we want something new and more. We want a dependence on Jesus. And so that means that we're going to have to open ourselves and step into some unfamiliar territory and some zones that may be uncomfortable because the Lord is ready and willing to respond on our behalf. So how do we pray for healing? John 5, verse 19, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these. How do we pray for healing? Will we first stop and consider God What is it that you are doing? Not what am I doing? What are you doing? Even when we looked at the life of Jesus, he often would say things like, Lord, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. He would acknowledge the way of the Father before he engaged in healing prayer. He would stop and consider, God, what is it you are doing today? What is it you are doing in this person? What is it you are doing in this place? What is it you are doing in this moment? What is it you are doing um, in, in this person's life? God, what are you doing? 
I think we spend probably, I'm not a numbers person, but like 80% of our lives doing our own thing. We are doing. We are planning. We are busy. We are hanging out. We are socializing. We are doing. We are solving. We are hustling. We are managing. We are participating. We are maintaining. We are doing, 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 and we're barely surviving, and God just says, stop. Stop. And consider, what am I doing? God, what are you doing? Now, all of this uh, language about healing prayer, I do have to give a disclaimer. I am not advocating for healing prayer on its own, that, that you don't seek the help of doctors or counselors or medicine and just do healing prayer. I think God gave us tools that work together for our healing. And so I think there are moments that as we approach people in situations, as we approach people in a, in a medical journey, as we approach people who are suffering from a wound or an injury, as we approach people who are dealing with a physical condition, that we stop and say, what is it that you're doing? God, what is it that you're doing? What are you doing at this point in this person's life? What do you want to do in them? What's even beyond the physical need? How often do we just stop and ask that question? How do we pray prayers of healings? Well, we stop and we first participate with God in what it is he is doing, not what we are doing. We stop. We look for him. We listen for him. We may speak to something physical, but we listen to what God wants to say to that person. Because prayers of healing are not just about the physical wound, it's about receiving from God. And as we intercede for our own healing or for the healing of people, we make way for them to receive God. Now that may look like a physical healing, that may look like a different kind of a healing, that may look like a word of encouragement, that may look like a, a touch from Jesus, that may look like an experience of him, an image of him, a picture of him, a word from him that changes everything for us, but we make way for people to receive we help clear the barriers for people to receive the voice and the heart and the will of God. We stop whatever it is we're doing. And we first say, God, Lord, what are you doing here? How do you want to do this situation? How are you working here? How can we help this person? How can I help myself receive more of you? Will I love what you love? Will I repair what you repair? Would I free, will I free what you want to free? Will I give a voice to what you want to give a voice to? Will I put aside my preferences and my ways? And will I look to the way of Jesus and say, Lord, what is it that you are doing? How do we help people receive more of you? Because we don't own the result. And prayers of healing, it's not one method or approach. You don't have to be a certain kind of person or operate a certain kind of way. You don't have to have the right words or the right scripture or the right language. You just have to be willing for people and for yourself to receive the way of God. Do you know that you all have the gift of healing? You all have the gift of freedom. That when we see people operate in a, in a um, unique way of gifting, they may have an extra amount of that gifting, but as followers of Jesus, you are equipped. You have the authority to go and do as he did.
He says that you may even do even better things than what he did. Freely you have been given. Freely you receive and freely you give. The power of healing prayer is in the the participation with God, not the manipulation of words or circumstances. We don't own the results. They aren't ours. And healing prayers are not about convincing God talking him into it, convincing him to show up. No, healing prayers are participating with what God is already doing in his pursuit of us to bring healing and freedom to us as individuals and through healed communities to the world. It's not convincing God or manipulating anything. It is truly giving yourself over to the way of Jesus. I think one of my most significant um, experiences with healing prayer is when I was a pastor in Michigan and I was um, uh, serving with other people who meant, uh, other pastors, other people I worked with who meant so much to me. And we were not a place of, um, of like healing prayer. That wasn't something that was part of our tradition, but we were trying to move in that direction of understanding this element of the new kingdom more. And so actually the guy I talked about, Steve Nicholson, he came uh, to a staff retreat that we had and he was leading us and our team through healing prayer. And it was uncomfortable and we weren't familiar with it. We didn't really know. And he, and he said, is there anybody in the room who has an injury or who has something in need of healing? And one of the pastors, Josh, he had an injury to his foot. He was a runner and maintaining a healthy lifestyle, maintaining movement and running was very, very important to him. He, I knew Josh back in college and his lifestyle was very different than it was now. He, um, he had lost a lot of weight. He had gone through like a, a personal transformation and just really took a lot of weight in this like new identity that was very much defined by running and by being able to maintain the, the life that he wanted to maintain. And so this injury to his foot was a very big deal. In fact, it wasn't just about the physical injury, it was what it said to his heart, that he doesn't matter, that he's not worth it, that God doesn't really care. It spoke and fulfilled some narratives that he had been telling himself for a long time. And so he sort of very tentatively raised his hand and said, I, I have this injury and it's messing with me and I don't know what to do and I need healing. And so we prayed for a bit, and then Steve, the, um, the healing prayer guy, he said, um, he said, is there anybody here in the room who will pray for Josh? Well, nobody knew how to do that, right? Nobody knew that kind of territory, and so nobody said anything. And so we waited, and we just continued to pray. And Steve then pointed out this other pastor, Johnny. He was the youth pastor. And he said, Johnny, I, there is so much compassion coming from you right now. I, I just feel your compassion for Josh. Out of your compassion, would you pray for his heal? Would you speak to the injury in his heal and pray for him to receive what God wants to give him? And so Johnny went over tentatively, you know, kind of awkwardly put his hand on Josh's and, and did his best in, in, in words that maybe he wasn't familiar with, but prayed towards the injury, prayed towards Josh's heart, prayed for healing. And there was um, not something that, you know, we all could see, but there was um, 
a sense of healing that Josh felt, and then it went even deeper beyond the injury in his, in his foot. It went to his heart, to his identity, to what God wanted to speak to him. And, and Josh said, I, I, I don't feel it anymore. And Steve, the healing prayer guy, was like, well, you know, wake up in the morning, run on it tomorrow. You know, it's not for sure. We'll just kind of see, we might need to keep praying. Like he was very normal about it, right? Like, we'll just kind of see. And sure enough, Josh like went to bed, woke up the next day, walked on it, ran on it. He did not experience the injury or the pain from that day on. And it was this beautiful, just reflection and evidence of just God doing something with some very unlikely people who were very tentative and unsure and kind of skeptical, but God had his way. And do you know, now I talked to Johnny before I'm gonna tell you this, of course, but what we did not know at that time is that Johnny, was dealing with some significant brokenness in his life. He was dealing with addiction and affair. And he was hiding those things. And Johnny is the one that the Lord used to pray prayers of healing over Josh. Does it mess with you? It messes with me. That out of all of his imperfection, all of his brokenness, all of his sin, he was the one that God used to help Josh receive. It was his compassion that was the most important thing, not his perfection. Now again, I am not advocating for hiding addiction or affair in your life and just acting like it's no big deal and engaging in healing prayer. I hope that we're not taking that as the conclusion of the story. But when I talked to Johnny, I knew I could share this because I know his ministry blew up. His family blew up. I, I know I was, I, I saw it. And he and his family have walked through a, a work, a, a process of inner work and of healing and reconciliation that I just so respect and is so beautiful. He's not currently in ministry, but when I talked to him, he said, oh, Bria, you know, I was so messed up. And if the Lord can use me in my messed up place, he can use anyone. It's about being ready to receive what God wants to give us. And, and, John, and the reason why I share this is because I know that Johnny is on a journey of healing, that he's had to confront the things that he's been engaged in. But he said, I didn't want to do that. I didn't feel good enough. I felt like, do, don't pick me, don't pick me, don't pick me, don't pick me. And still the Lord used me. And he said, Bria, if that story can bring God glory, you use it and you tell it. Because what I have to say about the stuff I've messed up in my life is that if it can bring God glory, then I want people to know. And I tell that story because I think there's an element of healing prayer, there's an element of operating the supernatural, and it is always going to mess with us. It's not always going to make sense. The math might not make sense. The numbers might not go together. But there's something there that the Lord wants to do out of our dependence and out of our surrender to Him, even prayers of healing in this place. So as we end today, let us remember that when we experience or witness healing, we are reminded that the kingdom is near, that the work of God is not dead but alive, and we are not left alone in our pain. 
that the prophets have declared that one day God would send his chosen one to destroy the work of the evil one. The lion would lay down with the lamb, justice would flow like waters, and those waters would bring healing and life. And this is what it means for the kingdom of God to come. And so when we pray prayers of healing, we are praying for God to bring his way to earth. So what's broken will be made right. And our heart is to see the glory of God. And this is our work as people of God and of the church. So this morning, I would like to take a moment to stop, for all of us to stop and consider, Lord, what is it you are doing? What are you doing? The band is gonna come up. We are gonna um, sing a little bit more and just have some space for prayer. And I want each of us to consider, God, what is it that you are doing? Are you just, is it just that I need to just ask that question? Is that enough? Are you moving me towards praying for someone else? Are you moving me towards praying um, to, ask, to asking for prayer, for healing prayer in a way that I haven't before? God, what are you doing? How are you moving me towards more of you and your wholeness? We're gonna have some people available to pray. Michael and Luis and Ivana are gonna be up front. Helena and Diane are gonna be in the back. If you would like to receive prayer or have someone pray for you, please, please, please do that. Please follow the prompting in your, in your gut or in the spirit to, to, to not miss that moment. But if you also just need some space to consider what God is doing, that is what we are gonna do now. Father, we pray that your spirit would come, that your presence would come, that as we stop and reflect on this moment, that we would be aware of you in a new way, that you would move us towards you, that you would break down any barriers that have gotten in the way of our view of you, and that you would open us up to receive whatever it is you have for us this morning. Do something new, Jesus. In your name we pray.